Yo, 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 my favorite babe freaks. Hi. Another episode A Person of Interest with me, Natalie Jones. How have you been doing? I hope fabulous. This week we have Tim Timmerman. For y'all who don't know, we work together here at the radio station, WKRQ, Q102 in Cincinnati, Ohio. Tim is a mother freaking blast, no matter what. He's always down to have a great time. He's always smiling. He loves life and he loves the people around him. He's all about friends and family and community and do whatever you got to do to get the job done. (laughs) Tim's got a lot of character and he's always smiling. Enjoy our conversation. It was so much fun to do before I had to start working the day we recorded this. I was like, ah, this is so much fun. Now I have to go do actual work. So I hope you all uh, have so much fun with us. Like, subscribe, do all those things. Leave reviews. Stuff. Love ya. Talk to you soon. I am very excited that you're here. I'll try not to talk differently but you know how it goes you can talk however you want you get in podcast mode oh my god hi this is oh this is really funny this is so one of my friends just makes fun of everyone who posts all the girls were all single he loves making fun of chicks who are like i love hiking and they just take pictures of them like walking on leaves in the city somewhere yeah that's not hiking yeah. at all like on a hike and he just like can't yeah. get over it it's yeah really if you funny. haven't gone to the store and bought Merrill shoes <laughs> you're not into hiking you know or, yes, about? if you don't have Solomons that have zero <laughs> laces on them, then you don't know. If you haven't <laughs> suffered from altitude sickness, ever experienced the altitudes, then you have no idea yeah. what's going on. Tim Timmerman, welcome to the Person of Interest podcast with me, Natalie Jones. I've never been in this studio before. I love this little one. It's a little nook. The Oakley studio. Yes. What do you do on this? podcast i mean i know you talk to just various folks but like why me like why am i interesting to you've you? never listened before it's I fine have. We'll, we'll breeze past that no to um, certain ones i have um i like to listen um i like to the whole concept of this is i like to have people on the show that i think are great that i personally want to know and then i think other people should know more about too cool I, I, I guess that's what i was getting at not that yeah. i hadn't listened but like why why am i interesting to you oh uh, <laughs> For so many reasons, you're about to find out. But I think it's great as people think that it's um, person of in- it has some sort of serious name, you know. But it's well, like person of interest. Yes, yes. It's really just people I think are really great. That uh, everyone has a great, interesting story, and everyone there's some truth to that, you know. And everyone, I just love, I love talking about it. And a lot, a lot of it is I love um, breaking people, not breaking people down, but like Break you know, me down. picking people apart. A little okay, bit, well, you know, sweet. seeing what you got to do. Analyze me. So F- figure me out. So, Tim, I can I just say I personally I love you and I love following you. You're always such a bright light. You seem like someone who's always in love with life and you give excellent advice, too. Oh, OK. What's crazy is if I had to analyze myself, I would probably say I'm a dark, <laughs> negative person. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe that's my light. My no, dark negative light said, sees your light. Other people have said that, too. I just love your energy. You're just always, like, in a great mood. I was like, oh, my God, I must, I don't know. I do think I'm a happy person, but there are days where I'm like, man, I am just a dark piece of shit right now. <laughs> I guess we all have days like that. But what I think separates you is, at least, I know I can take things so seriously and overanalyze, especially in my radio journey, coming into this with, like, really no experience. Mm -hmm. And I get really scared of things a lot. And you have always said, oh, my God, just fuck it, just do it. Like, stop. Yep. Just do it. And also what you repeatedly say is, no one cares. Like, they really don't. Stop thinking about it like that. I'm like, oh, 
It took me a while to not get personally offended after the first time you said it. But then I was like, I mean, he's right. Really, <laughs> no, no one cares about me either. No one Natalie. gives a shit. It's cool. No one gives a shit. I feel like, you know, like you grow up, and I've always that was like a thing that I learned. Like, because very many other hurdles that I've overcame, and now finally in radio, I've realized like no one really cares. Not the what people are you that doing? care. They don't care that you made a mistake. Exactly. You know? The people that heard you make a mistake, they don't care at all. <laughs> you know I, what I mean? I think it's tough. Have you? How do you deal with? Um, criticism. I don't know if you ever get this, but because of this podcast and other things that I've done, I have people go out of their way oh, to be mean yeah. to write me emails that are like, "You did this wrong. Why would you do this?" Yeah. I can't see anybody ever doing that. Oh, to I you. get hate mail all the time. You do not. Sure do. No way. Yeah, because I'm opinionated, and yes. you're not allowed to have opinions these days. <laughs> no, you, know? uh, you ain't. Um, so I used to be pretty defensive about that stuff, but yeah. just through the course of getting older and. You know, mm-hmm. trying to prioritize what's important. Some yeah. bitch on Facebook is not. Yes. Or some some oh, a hole on Twitter is so not true. important to my trajectory of life. Yeah. So I used to really get worked up about it, but I don't anymore. I try to not. Occasionally, someone might get me, but yeah. I think I got really good at dismissing people, which is. I think a defense mechanism, but I think in some ways you need it when you put yourself out there and you get opinions back a lot. Mm-hmm. I think there's something to having just some feedback, whether it's good, yeah. bad, or whatever. I think that's kind of good to know how you're being perceived, especially in the business that we're in. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, when it's just unnecessarily cruel or, you know, just trying to start a fight. A lot of oh, people God. think they need to start fights with people. I I've know. noticed that. I'm just not into that anymore. Ooh, I kill people with kindness. One of my, like, for yes. instance, one of my dad's friends. Who I think we do this. He does it tongue in cheek, but I never engage. He is. I am not conservative or right wing at all. I can't really say I'm anything, but I know for a fact I have nothing to do with that side of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And my one of my dad's friends is total Trump supporter. Total very conservative. You know, and vocal about it probably. Right. Everything I post on Facebook that has anything to do with human rights. I'll post things about female rights, um, human rights, and the environment. He always will just obliterate it with some sort of Republican bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I was just responding, like, thank you so much. We're so lucky to live in a world where we all can voice our opinions every day. Smiley face, thumbs up. Yep. Have a great day. <laughs> and, like, somebody recently sent me an email. This bitch went way out of her way. I have no idea where she was. She lives in some other state, has no mm-hmm. idea that I'm on the radio or anything. She's like... But she listened to a podcast episode and had a lot to say about it. And um, and I finally, first I got a little worked up. And then I wrote an email back saying, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. And I wish I knew what you did for a living so I could give you unsolicited advice. But, um, but the world doesn't progress without people voicing their opinions like yourself. So you keep doing you, girl. Ever, I learned a lot and I'm going to learn a lot. I don't really know. Did she write back? No. Yeah. Hell no. I got really good at silence and that bullshit, but without ignoring it. Mm-hmm. Some of it you ignore, and then some of it yeah. you're like, let me just break you down. Yeah. End of the bit. day, that stuff's not important. Yeah. So. No, 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 no. But I want to know more about you when you were a kid because you are fascinating to me because you're so, such a radio guy. And as someone who I work in radio now, but I'm, I don't really think I'm a radio person. I never wanted to be on the radio, never thought I would be, you mm-hmm. know? And then I met you, and I thought it was really great. You are on the Kiss Morning Show when I was in high school driving to school. Because oh, yeah. I remember the mad, mad, 
bad moms in minivans or something. Uh, we did all sorts of crazy stuff. A lot of it I don't remember because I was drunk most of that time. <laughs> <laughs> well, more power to you. You did a great job. Great. <laughs> and who was your co-host? Uh, his name was also Jeff, but there was confusion in the ratings between the Jeff on Q102 and the Jeff that worked with me at a different station. Yeah. So uh, we changed his name to My Mom Calls Me George. My Mom Calls Me George. Which his mom did call him George. So it wasn't a lie or anything. That's but crazy. We had to div- div- diff- differentiate the two Jeffs so people would understand. I don't know. Because, you know, if you don't get good ratings, you get fired. Exactly. So, <laughs> so we had to do something immediately. I feel like I live in an ever-present, I'm going to get fired today. It can, mm-hmm. Every single oh, yeah. day, I'm like, I think I'm going to get a boss because it's a weird look. I'm like, I'm getting fired. Today's the day. She's not uh, talking to me today. Uh, that's the look. Um, I remember from that that I really, all I remember is that I did not, I hated that guy. Tim and my mom calls me George. Mm-hmm. My mom calls me George. That guy was so annoying. And I couldn't stand it. Uh, yeah, he's an all right guy, but I'm sure you're, I'm sure you know, you're great. No, no shame to you or whatever. Yeah, but I remember a, I didn't like him back then. Our our show took its course, and he wanted to get out of the business and mm. spend time with his wife and make babies and okay. do, do do a different path. So that's cool. We had a great run. Nice. Glad it all worked out and ended up here with the competition, which I should have been at the whole time anyway. So, so now it just feels right. <laughs> So when did you, so did you always want to be on radio? Uh, I remember being a kid. I remember wanting to be a firefighter for a hot minute. Mm. I always wanted to be a city bus driver. I still kind of have that my in my God. back pocket. I know Metro is hiring right now. <laughs> so, um, that's amazing. I don't know why. I don't know what's about. But uh wanted to be a teacher for a little bit. I believe there was a period I wanted to be a priest, which, you know, makes sense now when I look back. Um, <laughs> Catholic? Were you raised Catholic? Yep. Oh, makes so much sense. Yep. And then... You uh, felt the vibes from a very early at age. At some point, I went to... My dad worked for General Motors. who grew up in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And he worked on the assembly line and made Pontiacs. And uh, I remember it was take your kids to work day and me and my brother got to go to the factory and watch him put on a radiator hose and a Fiero every two minutes for like 10 hours. Cool. And I was like, this is really cool that dad does this for our family and he gets a lot of great benefits working at the, you know, the General Motors. But I don't think I could do this. I think I need to do something with people that's creative, maybe involves music. I don't know what it is, but that was like a moment where I was like, I got to. I got to have some sort of outlet for something. Yeah. And then it took a couple years after that, and one of my grandmothers, who was not a great lady, um, she was just kind of like, you're going you're gonna to be a loser in life, or blah, blah, blah. I don't, know. <gasps> I don't know what she was. I'm paraphrasing here. She wasn't a great person. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be on the radio. Fuck it. I'm just going to be on the radio, because it was on in the background, and I, didn't, mm-hmm. I was trying to like fight her, but I didn't know what to say, because I was just some teenager, right? What a jerk of a... And so I was like, I'm just going to be on the radio. I'm going to read the weather. I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to take phone calls and play crappy songs and pretend I'm happy when I'm not. And... <laughs> And then afterwards, I, like, was looking back and going, actually, that sounds pretty neat. Yeah. So that's when I started, like, looking into it and paying more attention to it. And I was probably, I don't know, 12, 13, something like that, maybe 14. Mm -hmm. So that's when that, that's when that all, I think I always enjoyed it. I have specific memories of being four and hearing a song on a radio station. So, like, Uh. I think my ear always paid attention to it a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know. 
that's kind of when that all started. And then I, you know, when you become a teacher or a lawyer or a doctor, there's a very specific timeline of things you do to become those things, mm-hmm. right? When you want to be in the radio, it's like, well, what the hell? What do yeah. you do? I mean, there's dropouts from high school who work on the radio in Cincinnati. There's people with three or four broadcasting degrees that suck that will never get a job on radio ever. Yeah. So it's just like you. Do, there's no path. There's no. So I just called a DJ that I listened to that I thought was cool, and I said, "Hey, I want to do this." How old were you? What do I do? I think I was like 14 or 15. Cool. I didn't drive. I remember that. And he's like, "Why don't you just come down to the station one morning? You can hang out and see if you actually like this because it ain't what you think it is." And my dad drove me down there and dropped me off, and I hung out for two hours with a guy named Jeff Zippy Crow. Whoa, that's a radio name. How he got his name Zippy? He loved cocaine. (laughs) Um, But I fell in love with it the minute I pushed that studio door open and saw the buttons and the music, and you know, that's that was that was when it like officially was like game on. No way. And then so that was in high school. Mm -hmm. And then what did you go to college for? Did you go to college? Uh, I went to school to be a teacher. Because oh. radio is like, you know, who knows whether that'll take you anywhere or not. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to go to school, be a teacher. And then if the radio thing doesn't work out, I'll have my teaching degree. And uh, the radio thing took off. So I actually, I only have my associate's degree nice. and a handful of classes from my third year that I never were you, finished. Were you working in radio through school? I was 18. I got a job. Yeah. So okay. I was teaching swim lessons, teaching preschool, working on the radio, going to college all at the same time for about three years. So you've always had multiple jobs and things going on in your world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you still do now, like a lot. Yep. You're like the, one of the busiest people I know. Keep busy, man. Work hard, play hard. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, th- so where was your first radio job? I worked at WSDS. We serve Detroit suburbs. Ah. Suds country. So, what is country? It was an AM country station that like covered half of Detroit metro area and played records. How much did you get paid? $5 an hour. And that was the afternoon show host and the production director. Oh, my gosh. And uh, it was going to be one of those jobs where the checks were handwritten by the owner. And good luck. I hope they cash. Because some days they didn't and some days they did. Wow. And the secretary sold weed out of the front office to the neighborhood in Ypsilanti, Michigan. (laughs) And the station operations guy, I learned about month five of me working there that he was using the radio station as a front for his escort business. Whoa, escorting men or women? Uh, Women. Mm -hmm. And so then that's when I was like, I need to get out of here. Yeah. Because this is my first job and I'm 18 and this is going (laughs) to. There's a lot going on there. This is going to tarnish my entire career if I'm working for the station that has hookers and drugs. (laughs) And it's just a tax write off for this guy who owns it. So I I immediately (laughs) sent my demo demo tape. (laughs) Down, down the, down the street to the FM station, and ended up getting a job there. Okay, so. and then when you first started out in radio, what did you have the most trouble with? Uh, being myself. Yeah. Being myself, being authentic, being genuine, which you always hear. Just be yourself. It's hard, but it's hard when you're it's trying hard. to like perform and all of that. So that yeah. took I don't know three years, four years to kind of like settle down and because I was trying to talk like this and be a DJ and good morning yeah. and here's her Merle Haggard. Yeah, I can say I'm in my fourth year, and just this year, just, it'll be four years, a month from t- yesterday, mm-hmm. officially. Just now do I feel it calm. 
it's part of the journey. It's part of yeah. it. You just have to do it every day, and eventually you'll just get there. But Do you remember what your first show was like? Yeah, it was painful. Yeah. My, I can viscerally, like, feel the feelings that I felt on my first My mom re- recorded on a cassette somewhere. I had awesome. it somewhere. But <laughs> I don't ever want to hear it. <laughs> you know, I intentionally never listened back to my first show and just, like, moved on. Didn't save it. I yeah. don't even know. Just I've heard. I have a couple things from back in the day where I was like, "This is not horrible, but it's definitely not good." It ain't good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was in Michigan, and then where did you? Where else did radio? I worked for Chink. in Ann Arbor for Cool One Hundred Seven. Cool. A lot of 70s cool music. with a K. Yeah. Yes. I had a feeling. Yeah, and then I worked at a station in Port Huron, Michigan, which actually catered to Sarnia, Ontario, in Canada, which was a bigger population. So there was a sales team in Canada, and mm. we tried it. We were like an American station that pretended to be a Canadian station. So what was your life like outside of radio um, in Michigan? And when did you leave? I left when I was 23. So, yeah, what was life like in Michigan? Because you're from Detroit, but you were kind of like in the Detroit area. I grew up just outside of Detroit on Lake uh, St. Clair, which mm-hmm. is like, First tier suburb, so like we'll call it Bridgetown or Deer Park. Gotcha. Nothing fancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad worked for GM. My mom was a preschool teacher. Uh, just hanging with friends, you know. Nothing, nothing really crazy. Going to concerts. Yeah, watching, yeah, yeah. You know, drinking in the in the backyard. I was not a cool kid, but you know, I definitely wasn't a weird nerd loser either. Just mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle. But you know, I worked at, as a life teacher until I was 25, 26. So, like, I had a lot of friends that were not in radio that were just kids I grew up with or worked at the pool with. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. You know, I say this this is a compliment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are pictures. There's a picture of you hanging in the hallway of you with... Merle Haggard. Merle Haggard. Is and yeah. I never knew that was you. Uh, that's it well, I weighed 140 pounds at that it point. doesn't look like you at all. Though you, maybe you weigh 10 pounds more than that now. 20, you know what I mean? But, like... 210. You can't. Okay, well, regardless, like, I'm just like, you just look so different. Yeah, I had crazy hair. I wasn't sure about layering at that point or, mm. or actually going to a real stylist who could handle uh-huh. that type of hair. Um, also, I'm pretty sure I was masking uh, life life at that point. Like, I didn't know, you know, I mean, I knew who I was, but I wasn't sure how to put that out there in the world quite yet. Yeah. So I was just kind of like. Hiding on the radio, hiding with my long hair, being a crazy hippie. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. You know what's crazy? I think in the opposite way, I, like, thought I was gay for so long and would, like, dress like such a tomboy on purpose. But my whole thing was, like, I can dress super masculine but also be feminine at the same time. Then looking back, I just looked like a straight up for a long, long time. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if everybody thought I was gay. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, dude, you look gayer than everybody else. Yeah, so yeah. I think that was part of it. But, you know, life growing up was pretty good. I, I had yeah. a good childhood. I had fun with my friends. Why did you come to Cincinnati? So... First, Jeff, that we already talked about. Uh My mom calls me George, Jeff. Uh, He also worked in radio in Michigan, and he and I went to school together. Mm. So we knew each other from when we were like 17, 18 years old. And we always said, hey, if we're going to make it in radio, we should have a morning show together. Because that's who makes the most money. Yeah. that You know, that's the kind of thing. So uh, he and I put our own show together which is, is kind of unusual. Most shows are put together by, like, some sort of boss. Yeah, yeah. I like that guy, and I like that girl. Let's let's put a show together. Mm-hmm. So, like, do it ourselves. 
was unusual. Yeah. So it was a little bit hard. So we ended up taking a job after a year and a half of interviewing and people just saying, yeah, you guys sound like you're a show, but you're not. So yeah. we're not going to take a chance on you. So this station in Arkansas did. And so we moved to Fayetteville, both Arkansas. He did as well. We both did. And that was our first morning show together. And we worked there for four years and were very successful. And uh, it was actually a great place to live and work and yeah. had, had a cool time there. Great people. Um, and a guy we interviewed with before we went to Arkansas, this guy in Michigan that we interviewed with, and um, he he liked us, but he wasn't really ready to take the bet on us. Mm-hmm. He ended up working in Cincinnati and was looking for a new morning show and remembered us from five years prior. Wow. And hunted us down and hired us to come to Cincinnati. He's like, we love what you're doing in Arkansas. You got a good thing going on. We need to do that here. Come here. So we took the job here, and that's how I ended up in Cincinnati. Super cool. Yeah. And then that was... Um, 2007. A, a two, whoa. Man. Yeah. 2007. Mm-hmm. And that's when you went on the morning show and yeah. kissed? Yeah. Wait, so I was, not, I was not driving to school in the morning. Maybe I guess I was in college then. Yeah. Regardless, still living in Cincinnati. Yeah. Don't worry. <clears throat> Math. It's not our thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Now that you, and then you did that, and then now you're on the radio show, and now you're on the Jeff and Jen Morning Show, how has that changed your world a little bit? Um, well, having been, like, the main dude for mm-hmm. most of my career, and now I'm, like, I don't want to say a sidekick, but, like, a co-host. Yeah. It's, not, it's not my show. I'm just on the show yeah. kind of thing. That was a little bit different. At first, yeah. it was a little bit of an ego sort of, like, oh, man, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I really, I think I... Uh, prefer that. Really? I think I'm a better second or third guy. Really? Well, I think you fit well into the show there, but how did you mm, explain that a little bit more? I feel like I'm a better t- working on a team person. Mm-hmm. I think I, I excel and bring more to the final product as a member of the team than just a, I can do it all myself Yeah. kind of guy. You can Does do it all yourself. That makes complete sense. You can do it all, all by yourself. You're really good at supporting those around you, I think, professionally mm-hmm. and personally. Yeah. A lot. So, I don't know. I love working with those guys. It was a little bit weird because they were my competition. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, hey. Was it weird at first? Pepsi's coming to work with Coke now, and hopefully you make a really fun cola. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, it was weird at first. Um, very, very dynamic personalities on mm-hmm. the Jeff and Jen morning show. Mm-hmm. Everyone is so freaking different than the other person like no one is even close to being in the same type of personality group is that Um, common for radio i don't know i think it works for the show i enjoy and i'm completely different than the other three yeah so like the four of us together i have a great time it took a little while to warm up yeah and i think at first they were like what are you doing here (laughs) what's what is the boss thinking putting the putting you here with us but well, they i were, think ultimately it, it worked out great and added a dynamic that maybe it was missing so i think so too well i think like what i've learned in radio is that um it's a blow to your ego no matter what it was probably a little bit of a blow to their ego as well and you, we all like to say that you know that you don't work at out of your ego but it's just the nature of it all you can't mm-hmm. you can't avoid it yeah you know, something- and some of us, it's it's like a spectrum. Some people are like really. I've worked into people who worked with people that are like egomaniacs, mm. like insane. Uh, and me then I've worked with people yeah. like the opposite. And I yeah. just think it's just we're all in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. I feel like being around. I've worked with egomaniacs in the past that were 
good for, I mean, because of that, it opened up opportunities, mm-hmm. you know? Or pushed you to, like, maybe go, well, that a-hole can do it. Why can't I? A little bit, yeah. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. But I feel like it's not always a bad thing, I guess, you know? A healthy yeah. ego is a good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing. So now, in life, you hustle more than anything. What do you, can you just, like, tell me a little bit, can you tell me a secret of the morning show that nobody knows? Three things I want to say, but I will not. <laughs> I will not say those. I think you are the peacekeeper within all of this. Here's how I will describe it. I have <laughs> described it this way to other people. You ever have a saltwater fish tank? No. Okay. When Fancy. you have a saltwater fish tank, the pH and the chemicals and everything have to be perfect. And if they're not, you got algae growing on everything and you got upside down fish mm-hmm. and it's just <laughs> a shit show. <laughs> That's the Jeff and Jen Morning Show. It is a very, <laughs> it's a saltwater tank, and you got to keep that pH it just right. It is meticulous. Yeah. Meticulated. But we, but we do. We do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wouldn't, I it's out. awesome. It's great. We're right. like brother, it, it ended up through the course of time, I feel like we're all brothers and sisters. We'll all be each other, be in each other's corner, be there for whoever, for, for yeah. whoever needs it. But there's going to be times where we're like, damn, Jen. It makes you grow. Bob Evans does not have the best hamburger in town. <laughs> what the F are you thinking? Get off Uber Eats and check out your neighborhood. You know? That kind of stuff. <laughs> yes. I mean, dealing with personalities in general is really tough. And the more time you spend with someone, like, I spend so much time with my now partner, Freddie Mac, and... Like eight hours a day. I'm in arm's length and we have to know each other personally and whatnot to make it really work. Mm-hmm. And that creates a whole other dynamic and set of issues. And that's a part of a growing mm-hmm. process. This is his first partnership. So there's a whole lot to learn there. Yep. And and also sometimes I'm like, I, I'll like just have to go somewhere and scream or I'll go into our boss's <laughs> office and I was like, I need seven minutes. <laughs> and I say a whole bunch of bullshit that I'm like, Oh, thank you. I didn't really mean any of that. I love the guy. I got to go by. And now, like, and I'll just bitch about, like, you know what? Yesterday he didn't open the door or he left something on. You know I mean? Just, like, mm-hmm. little life things. But you spend so much time to get to know each other personally. In a room. In a room. Yes. With nobody else for four hours straight and with no, carpet on the walls. And nobody gets it unless you've done it. Radio is mm-hmm. unlike anything else. When I ta- So I taught radio for a number of years mm-hmm. at two different broadcasting schools and i always would start off the class like this hey guys radio is so much fun it is it is such a cool thing and it is so fucked up yeah (laughs) and they would look at me like what this is the first day this is our professor (laughs) and i've had so many of those students that have come back later that went on to do different things who come back and go dude you were so right about that it's so much fun but it's messed up it is messed up it is nuts. I like when I first started this job. I saw so this is my first real job, mm-hmm. quote unquote. It's so perfect for me because I never thought I'd actually well, get a real job. That's what makes you interesting because you've had all of these other life experiences. Well, I took it really seriously and was like, I got to start wearing pantsuits and shit now. I got to like <laughs> be professional. And nah. yes, you do for like, you know what I mean? I can, you know, we, we all can turn it on when we have to, but we actually really don't. And so getting, but not on the day to day. So like getting advice from people. Remember in the beginning when I first started here, I was asking everybody out to lunch, and I was like, I just want to learn. I want to know what to do. Like, Yeah, I, uh, we went to Price Hill Chili. Yeah. And you had a, a notebook, and you 
wrote, and I told you some really. I don't really, even remember that. I told you a lot of like really great foundation radio stuff, and you were just writing it all down, yeah. writing it all down. And then I heard the first show, and then I had talked to the boss, and she had filled me in on some of your experience, and I was like, she did not understand one thing that I told her <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't do any you of ne- it. You had never done it before. I'm like, I thought she had done it before. It's <laughs> like, well, we had a great, we had a great, uh, we had a great lunch, a double decker, and some beers. That was fine. But like, with that being said, so I came into, and then I've asked other professionals in my life, just dripping. I was just so eager to learn, and then as I got into it, I realized. I'm not asking for anybody else's advice because they don't fucking know what it's like at all. No. Like, it got to the point where people were like, I don't even know what to tell you. Like, I have, I really have no idea. Yeah, just, just, and now I've just learned. be interesting. Have fun. How do you be interesting? Well, so I asked you to, okay, so can you, because right. radio, radio provides some crazy scenarios for life, mm-hmm. and you get involved in so many different things. Oh, my God, which probably I got to tell you this. The other night I went to a concert. I'm just going to be really transparent here. Doing trust of tequila, never a good idea for me, especially on a school night. I ended up there. Be, I ended up being like, I really want to interview this band. I had all this liquid confidence, and I went up to the owner of this really small club, super small. And I was like, there's no media here. And I was like, I'm in media. I have a podcast. Like, I would love to interview these guys. I'm a huge fan. And the guy was like, no, they're not doing any media. And I was like, mm, all right, it's fine. I'm going to go wait by their tour bus. So I did. I went and waited by their tour bus, and then I just saw this door open to the back. And I just went in, and the band was right there, and I was drunk. And I was like, "Hey, I'm a big fan. I don't want to interview you on my podcast." And they literally pushed me out and slammed the door in my face. So embarrassing. And then, like, and then one of the band members comes up to me, laughing so hard, like five minutes later, and he's like, "What is your deal, chick?" And I was like, "I'm just a big fan, and." media and I have this. I just think people should know more about you. Can we talk? I'm and I'm also seeing them in two weeks in Colorado. And I was no. like, I'm gonna see you in Colorado. I'm gonna be there. I'll have a media pass. I'll see you then. And the guy was like, Okay, sure. <laughs> Whatever, tequila. <laughs> Hammered. Oh boy. Anyway, so stuff like that, you know. But do you have any? Sorry, I well, cut you off. What was the question? <laughs> I was like, some things. I asked you to think of oh, some like of your favorite memories. Radio, radio memories. Yeah. Okay, I jotted down a handful because I wasn't sure where which direction this was going to go. Um, on the show years and years ago, we talked to a woman who just randomly called a young lady who said, I want you all to say a prayer for my softball coach. He needs a kidney transplant, and it's not looking good. So if you could, send, you could send some prayers out, that would be great. Okay. Phones start ringing. People start calling. I would like to be tested for Coach whatever his name was. This was like 10 years ago. Oh, my God. Um, So we started taking down numbers. We called someone at UC or, or Christ or I forget, Hawksworth maybe. I forget. One of the medical places in town stepped up and said, we'll test. We'll test. And, like, the next day they had found a match. You're kidding me. And so, like, I went into work that day thinking, I'm going to play some shitty Justin Bieber songs. <gasps> That and, is so and, cool. And you, and gave that, somebody, you gave somebody you gave somebody life. Happened. And that was like 10, 11, 12 years ago. So I don't I, I know that it happened. I don't know how it turned out. That was but the, is that the first one you thought of? That that's, was the first thing I thought of when you said a, cool. a crazy memorable thing. So I think one cool thing that we do is we have the opportunity to kind of do 
good, spread stories, help the community. It's like something that not everybody has the opportunity to do in their job, right? On the day-to-day, do you forget that thousands of people are listening? Usually, yeah. Me too. Yeah. Uh, Years ago, when we worked in Arkansas, the very first year we were there, there was all of this news about the food bank is empty, everyone's screwed, the food bank is empty, we don't know what to do. And so we uh, rented a semi-truck, parked it in front of Walmart, and said, we're going to camp on top of this truck until we fill it. So everyone, if you can make a drop off a can of soup or some mac and cheese or whatever, and we're gonna and it, it took three days, and we did it, and we called it the canned food camp out, and they still do that to this day in Northwest Arkansas. So it's now a it started in two thousand three, so whatever that math is. Wow, so that, that tradition has continued. That's cool. It's like eighteen and, years. Yeah, and so we filled up a couple more. Like the next year was like two semi trucks and. It turned into this really cool thing that we did every year. So, like, and That's the, and the cool. fact that I don't work there anymore and it still happens is yeah. kind of a neat thing. I don't yeah. know. And then there's the time I got wasted with, with Michael Buble. <gasps> you want to tell me about this? Because mm-hmm. I've heard you mention this before, but I want to know more about it. Uh, so he came into town. That's when he had his song, Home. Remember that song? That was his first big hit? It was one of his first big hits. And so he came into the station. was promoting his, his show. And he was from Canada. So we talked hockey since I grew up on the border mm-hmm. and worked at that Canadian station for a hot minute. And uh, we said the same thing we say to every artist that comes in. Hey, if you want to get a drink after the show, since, you know, you don't know anything around here, we would happy happy to entertain you with that. Let us know. No one ever did. Yeah. So we just kind of like saying Except shit, whatever. So then the show, we go to the concert, and the show ends. We're just kind of BSing with listeners after, and, you know, the lights are getting shut off, and people are wandering out, and we kind of just start heading out. And all of a sudden, the stage door pops open, and Michael sticks his head out, and he's like, hey, are we going out or what? Wait for me. And we were like, what? I guess we're going out. I was planning on going home, (laughs) but I guess we're going out. So we walked down the street to the little bar strip and had some drinks, and his band, they were a bunch of douches. They all left. Um, and we're kind of pompous, but he stayed the whole night and we all took turns buying drinks. We bought drinks for him. He bought drinks for us. And it, it eventually w- w- whittled down to just like me and him. Yeah. And, you know, we had stopped drinking and had gotten some apps and we're like trying to sober back up. And he's like, I don't know where my hotel is. <laughs> I'm staying at the Radisson. I'm like, okay. So we walked to the car. I drive him up the street to the Radisson. I turn the ignition on, and I had my Billy Ocean CD uh-huh. in the CD player. I don't know who Billy Ocean You'd is. You recognize the song, so I turn the car on, and it starts turns into Caribbean Queen, the song. Okay. Caribbean Queen. <laughs> so he's like, "Oh my god, I love this song!" So like, me and Michael Bublé <laughs> are singing Caribbean Queen from Billy Ocean, driving up in my Acura <laughs> to the Radisson, which was literally like a quarter mile away. So it was yeah. only like in the car for like two minutes. But yeah. I'm like. I was like, this is before everyone had a recorder on their cell phone. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, what is happening? This is the coolest thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so then I dropped them off. and That's at, it. At a, at a moment, I was like, could this have gone further? Is he a good guy? Yeah, he was Obviously. great. Obviously. a great time with him. That's so just cool. down to earth, genuine, no <laughs> bullshit, like real deal. Drink yeah. beers on the deck, just talk about life kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that was a fun moment. I wrote a bunch of whole stuff down, but those are the three. Let's just do three. Just do three? Okay, cool. There was the time Claire Huxtable called the show, <gasps> Felicia Rashad. No way. I love her. And so. What did she talk about? Why did she call? She called to wish me a happy birthday. <gasps> did somebody ask her to do this? Yeah, someone asked her to do it. Well, that's pretty freaking cool. The day Patty called, offered me the job here. That was pretty cool. Um, and something that is sort of 
just happened. No intention of this ever happening. This is not on my mission list. Mm -hmm. But over the course of the last, I don't know, we'll call it six months, I've gotten a handful of notes on Instagram, a handful of emails that people have reached out to me. And then when we were at Maroon 5 the other day, when Mm -hmm. you and Molly and myself were there, just kind of hanging out, meeting listeners before the show, had the tent set up, there were two or three people that pulled me aside unsolicited and we're like Tim I just want to say that you know I have a gay kid or um, I'm a teacher at a Catholic school and I just think that the way you present yourself and you and Chris have your life on the radio but just kind of being normal folks doing your thing like that is so powerful and we've I've had talks at the plea the p flag meeting you've come up you and Chris have come up before and just you make a difference with being you. And I was like, oh, God, shit. Oh, God. I never really realized that was happening. But that was kind of a neat moment. That was just the last week. That's pretty cool. I mean, I've had gotten the email here and there. But, like, when two people or three people on the same night who don't know each other all pulled me aside and said something similar to that, I was like, oh, God. You're doing something right here. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of a cool moment. Uh, Unexpected. Yeah. Not trying to do that. Well, then, could you say, so, um, well, that's speaking to your love life. You and Chris are the cutest things in the world. Well, thanks. You guys just look very much in love all the time. Your life looks very, very happy. We are. I think it's pretty cool. And, like, you do so much and work so hard. Like, I feel like the most of my life is obligation. That sounds so depressing. Well, I'm working like, majority really hard because I'm hoping to retire really early. <laughs> okay. How? <laughs> or at least not have to go if I don't want to. Okay. Which is really, really cool. So, like, when did, how, you you told me what you wanted to re, uh, retire by the time you're 50? Uh-huh. I'm like, well, that's, way to go. I don't know. I got I want to go explore and live life and yeah. adventure without time constraints. It's fun to, like, plan vacations health, and go, yeah. I want to do this, I want to do that. But when you only have six days, mm-hmm. you can't really, like, truly absorb everything that's going on because you're worried about, well, I got to get back. So true. You know? You so know? Like, I don't want to get back. I want to go, we're driving to California, and we're going to just meander around and do random shit you know i did that for about a decade and (laughs) we're just flip-flopping i'm doing it later (laughs) it was dope i'm not gonna lie just now that i've uh now that i i always wanted a career though and you know i'm so glad that i have it here i feel very fortunate all the time like i've lived so many different lives and i just i'm so grateful that i have this job like just so incredibly sharing all those crazy stories from that decade you know they're so much fun Uh i forget most of them now because you know (laughs) if you don't really think about them so many things will spark it i'll be like oh my god i totally forgot about that just recently i guess now that i'm all comfortable in this life i've realized how awesome that time was and that i didn't know it in the time i guess i had flashes of this is gonna be a time i'm always gonna look back on that would happen sometimes you know um, you watch The Office? Yes. There's an episode where Andy Bernard says, I wish I knew that this was the good times. Yeah. Or I'm, I'm messing yeah. the quote up, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I wish I knew that this was the, the good days so I could enjoy him. There were definitely times where I did and a lot of times where I didn't overarchingly know. Mm-hmm. But um, now looking back, like, well, that was just, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. And I the other night when I was really drunk at this concert was because... My friend, I went with, well, just because I drank a lot, but I was at a dive bar next to the venue waiting for her for an hour before, and I just started talking to all these guys, all these, you know, bar flies there, and everyone's buying shots of tequila, and I'm like, sure. I'm like five shots of tequila deep in 45 minutes when my friend comes. 
It was a rough night. An empty stomach. Anyway, um, and I realized when I was there, I used to be like a bar. I used to be a dive bar type of gal. Mm-hmm. It was like my preferred thing. Mm-hmm. And then I was that one the other night, and I was like, hell no. Boy, have I grown and moved on <laughs> from this. Like, nothing about it. And I sent a text to my dad. We used to be like bar, like dive bar mm-hmm. guys. Or I'm a girl with dive bar people together. And he said this quote that I thought was like super, super cool. And I'm just going to, let's see if yeah, I can. Yeah, I want to hear it. And I think you might like because I think we're similar in that. Where does it go? Ready? Well, I guess dive bars are playland that you go to until you grow up. I guess you have grown up. And I was like, yeah. Oh, never heard that I, one before. Me either. It made, the wisdom that comes out of my dad now that he's um, sober himself is crazy. <laughs> um, anyway. There, no, there is something about going to a dive bar, though, every once in a while. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like maybe hitting something up on, uh, over in Delhi. Mm. It's a little adventure. Ooh, you know it's got Cheviot. Chevois has really good dive bars. Go to Skins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I was going to say so many other things, but I forget. Oh, yes. Can you you give great advice. So What great advice have I given you? Um, so many great advice. So many great things for work, but what about um, dating now? I get a lot of good dating advice from Freddie Mac, but what can you say about good um, dating advice? Try to find someone who's genuine. If you immediately mm-hmm. smell bullshit, get out of there. Don't waste your time. Yeah. That's what I would say. I would say that with a lot of things in life, not just yes. dating. <laughs> yeah. Find true people, real people, genuine people that aren't going to be a, afraid to just be them. You're pretty good at that. Yeah. And can you, do you have three things or as many as you can muster up that you have recently decided like that weren't as important? Either things you stopped Doing or, or like, life changes? Or things I got rid of because it was kind of a waste? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm a pretty straightforward guy. I I have time. Time is important. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, we're pretty social people in general, and then you add this job on top of it. You get invited to a lot of things. Things that never sound bad, but, you know... Sometimes you just need a night to veg on the couch. Yes. You just need a night to not think or to not have to go make small talk at something that will be totally fine to go to, but really I'd rather be on the couch. Yes. You know, I, so I would say that would probably be the big thing. Saying no to things, mm-hmm. you know, in a polite way and or just picking wisely with the, the extracurricular things. Yes. Or, you know, the second and third tier groups that, you know, are cool people, but I only got so many breaths left. So I'm trying to focus them on the on the core target, yeah. not the second and third tier. Amen. Hopefully that doesn't sound like an asshole thing. But no, we all got second and tier friends. Second you know, it's like, really, is it really sure. worth it? I don't know. <laughs> let's just let's just get drunk at home and watch Dateline. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I would say I like similarly um, that became really clear to me in COVID when I couldn't over COVID. I realized I like dropped a lot of friends and it felt great. Mm-hmm. I don't say drop, but I did. Yeah, I, just, just, I just stopped. It just And that's just the path of life. Yeah. I think too our social tolerance was depleted when there wasn't, you know, 
hey, you're at home. Maybe you see someone once a week. That's your social time, you know? Yeah. So, like, now there's more stuff going on. It's like, oh, I got to build this tolerance back yeah. up. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I definitely can't um, socialize like I used to before pandemic. It like changed me forever. I feel like like the other night I recently, well, you know, that concert was on a Tuesday, um, Sunday and Monday. You know, I kept it in and even maybe Saturday. I don't know. I just like I used to go out almost every day. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, I can't, can't two days in a row. Oh, goodness. No way. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Not even self-care. close. Self-care. Yes. Part of self-care. For sure. Just, you know, hustle your world, have fun, take care of the people that take care of you. Is that your life advice? I think so. Yeah. Adventure, explore. I cannot wait for you to adventure and explore. Never stop learning. Rule of Fran. What's the rule of Fran? That's my mom, if you didn't know. She always said, you got to try something three times to know if you like it or not. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. She didn't really like it when I used to do it. <laughs> to explain my gayness. But <laughs> she's like, wait a minute. That backfired. Did she not know? She said she didn't. Really? So I don't know. Mm, I like. Life's fine now, but you know. Was it not in the beginning? It was not in the beginning, no. I'm sorry. That's okay. Part of the journey. When I, um, um, I've like nannying so many kids over the years. And there are ones that from um, the time, time they were in diapers was like. You just know. You just know. I don't know if they'll ever figure it out. Right. Or when that will happen, you know. Let me tell you a really quick story. Sure. So there's there there's this group that uh, this family of boys that I nannied and they um I started four boys within five years. The mom was twenty eight when she had the fourth one, young couple. I was eighteen when I started nannying them and they only had two kids. She was pregnant with a third by the end. The fourth was four. So I was with them for like six years. There was one year where I'd gone and moved away somewhere and gone, gone one of and your lived. adventures. Yeah, gone somewhere, was gone for months and months and months. Maybe I maybe it'd been like a year. And it was like one of those moments where I was, I was back in town. I was going to babysit them for the first time. They open she opened up the front door and they all come running. Natalie! Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And um <clears throat> and this one boy is like, Oh my god, Natalie, I've got they got into BMX riding mm-hmm. while I was gone. He's like, I've got to show you this. He, he pulls out. He's like, sit down. I've got to show you this thing in this magazine. And um, he sits me down, and he pulls out this BMX magazine where there are people covered in mud, flipping, doing all these things on bikes, right? And he opens it up to this page, and this guy was on, like, a half-pipe BMX biker covered head to toe in mud and all this stuff. And he just stops it on this page, and he looks at me, and he points at the points at the guy on the bike, and goes, "Ah, I need these shorts." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "No way!" And he was like, "Yes." And I was like, "You go, okay? There you go. You get those shorts." I was like, "You will get those shorts one day, boy. You will." <laughs> it was a really funny moment. Now yeah. he's grown now, and I'm not exactly sure what's going on in his personal life, but um, it was obvious to all of us. That's right. It was a fun moment. It was a very fun moment. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, you know what? Tim Timmerman. Was that enough interesting stuff? This was really very interesting. Yes. You know, I'm really happy we did not talk about home renovation shit. Thank you oh. for not bringing that up. Oh. It's one of my many side hustles that I'm really enjoying taking a break from these days. Wait, are you not on working on any project right now? No, we're working on probably three. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, but word. they're kind of more low-key. Ah. No giant ones right now. If you ever want to come back and talk about it, we I, can have a series. 
a renovation time with Tim's theories. If you want to, we can. But I'm glad we didn't get into that today. It was nice because that's usually what people ask me about. Uh, do you like that, that that's become part of your or your main identity? Uh, yes and no. Mm. Were you always interested in that? Nope. Just a moneymaker thing? Yep. Uh. And it's kind of a creative outlet, too. Yeah. You yeah. guys are artists. Yeah. For sure. Well, great. So there's that. We'll talk about that next time. Sure. Thanks for coming on Person of Interest. That's great. I hope we all had a good time together and you learned <laughs> some interesting things about both of us because this was fun for me. This is really fun for me, too. All right. Well, yeah. love you. Bye. Anything I always say, my tag, or my tag, I guess it is great, but my life motto is whatever it is you do today, make yourself proud. Oh, that's a good one. I don't know if I have one. Mm. You be you. You I say, be I you. I do say that a lot. Yeah. You go. That's what every time I would say that's the most... The wisest advice you've given me in radio, every time I ask, I would, especially in the beginning, ask you questions like, am I doing okay? Am I doing okay? And you'd be like, have you been fired? I said, no. And you're like, well, uh, well, whatever it is you're doing, keep doing it. Your ratings are good. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, well, I don't, that's what I don't understand what it is. All right, Tim, goodbye. Thank you very much. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa. With over 50 years of sports betting experience, Fred is known in the U.K. for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.